Section six of Four American Indians by Edson L. Whitney and Francis M. Perry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of King Philip, Chapters eleven through thirteen. Chapter eleven Philip and the Indian Councils. Philip thought the matter over. He felt that the English had done the Indians great injustice. In the first place, the land had originally belonged to the Indians. It was not of great value to them, for they used it mainly for hunting purposes, so they had very willingly parted with a few acres to the English in return for some trinkets of very little value, such as a jackknife, or a few glass beads, or little bells, or a blanket. Then the English had forbidden the Indian to sell his land to any white man. He was allowed to sell only to the colonial government. This was done in order to protect him from the white men who wanted to cheat him. But Philip only saw that it prevented his giving away something of little value to himself and getting something he wanted in return. Before the English came, the woods were full of game and the streams were full of fish. Now Philip noticed that the game was going from the woods and the fish from the rivers. He felt that the Indians were becoming poorer and the English were getting richer. Only the poor lands were owned by the Indians now. All the best were in the hands of the white men. Philip was also tired of the airs of superiority assumed by the whites. They looked upon the Indians as fit only for servants and slaves. He thought that his people were as good as the whites. He felt that the bonds of love and sympathy between the two races had been broken. In spite of his many complaints and requests, the English had failed to punish unprincipled white men who had done wrong to the Indians. Finally, those Indians who had been converted to Christianity had left their old tribes and their former modes of life. This had weakened the power of the Indians, and Philip began to think that the English were Christianizing the Indians simply for the purpose of getting control of their lands. Philip felt that the question was too deep a one for him to solve. He called the sachems of the Wampanoags together, and talked the matter over with them. Several meetings were held, and every member expressed himself on the subject very freely. The question then arose, what should they do? It very soon became evident that two opposite opinions were held. It was not the custom of the Indians to vote on any questions that were discussed at their meetings. They talked the matter over, and then adopted the plan that most of them thought was best. But at this time, they were unable to decide what to do in order to get back that which they had lost, and how to prevent losing any more. And so they kept on talking over plans. Fifty-five years of peace and friendship with the English had resulted in giving the white men all the land of any value, while the Wampanoags were decreasing in numbers, and each year were finding it more and more difficult to live. The young warriors urged immediate action. They wanted war, and wanted it then, and desired to keep it up until the English should be driven out of the country. Philip was opposed to this. He knew how strong the English were, and that it would be impossible to drive them out. He saw that the time had gone by when the English should be expelled from the country. He threw his influence with the older warriors, and for a while succeeded in holding the younger men in check. He felt that the Indians could never be successful in a war with the English when the tribes owned only thirty guns and had no provisions laid aside to carry them through the war. 
Chapter Twelve King Philip's War Philip did his best to keep at peace with the English. For a while he succeeded. But his young warriors began to steal hogs and cattle belonging to the settlers, and on one pleasant Sunday in June 1675, when the people were at church, eight young Indians burned a few houses in the village of Swansea, the nearest town to the Wampanoag headquarters at Mount Hope. The whites immediately raised a few troops, marched after the Indians, and had a little skirmish with them. Philip was not with his warriors at the time. The attack on the whites had been made against his express orders. When he heard that the Indians and settlers had really had a battle, he wept from sorrow, something which an Indian rarely does. Everything seemed to go wrong. He tried to make peace with the whites, but they would not listen to him. The young warriors no longer paid any attention to what he said. They went on destroying property and killing cattle. After leaving Swansea, they went to Taunton and Middleborough, where they burned several houses and killed a few persons. But troops soon arrived from Boston and Plymouth, and in a few days the Indians were driven back to their homes at Mount Hope. The English hurried on after them, and the war that followed is known in history as King Philip's War. Philip and the Indians swam across Narragansett Bay and went to some of their friends in the Connecticut Valley. There they obtained the help of the Nipmucks, who had never been very friendly towards the English. We do not know where Philip was during the war. He knew that he would be held responsible for it, although he had done everything in his power to prevent it. For a year the war was carried on, one hundred miles away from his home and never once was he known to have been connected with any fighting, nor was he even seen by the English during that time. Some of them thought that he was directing the war, but really it was carried on by other tribes of Indians that had not been very friendly towards the whites. The Wampanoags seemed to have had very little connection with the war. The Indians attacked the English towns in the Connecticut Valley, and the more exposed places on the frontier of the colony where the people were few and scattered. No battle was fought in the open field. The Indians did not fight in that way. They secretly surrounded a town, rushed in from all sides, killed as many people as possible, took what property they could carry away, and burned all that remained. They knew all the paths in the forests, swamps, and thickets. They were fast runners, and went rapidly from town to town. Their favorite method of fighting was in an ambuscade. That was something peculiar to the Indians. The English had never heard of that way of fighting before they came to America. The Indians would lie down flat on the ground, or stand behind trees, or in a bush or thicket. When the enemy came along with no suspicion that anyone was near, the Indians suddenly gave a yell and fired their arrows or guns at them. This would startle them and generally cause them to run away. The war was one of the most dreadful in the history of our country. A farmer left his home in the morning not knowing whether he would ever see his wife and children again. His gun was always in his hand. Laborers were cut off in the field. Reapers, millers, women at home, and people on their way to and from church were killed. Nearly every town in the Connecticut Valley was destroyed by the Indians, and the people suffered terribly. The Indians were very successful during the first year of the war. 
they lost but few warriors and did an immense amount of injury to the whites this caused the young warriors to believe that philip and the old warriors were wrong and that it was really possible for them to drive the english from the country chapter thirteen the last days of philip during the winter there was very little fighting in the spring the indians did not fight with any spirit they had begun to get tired of the war many wished for peace the narragansetts who had been helping in the war had suffered a terrible defeat from the english the english began to understand better the indian method of fighting they attacked the indians wherever they could find them they surprised several large forces of indians in different places then it began to look as if philip and the old warriors were right and the young warriors were wrong several sachems had been killed the indians had no stores of corn the english tore up every field that the indians planted finally the indians gave up hope they were being starved out during the summer of sixteen seventy six large numbers of them were surrendered to the whites philip was not seen from the time he swam across narragansett bay until july sixteen seventy six when he returned to his old home at mount hope his wife and son had been captured earlier in the spring and he knew that the cause of the indians was lost he wanted to see his old home once more the place where he had lived for sixty years but which he felt he was now going to lose for ever we can see him as he returned to his home now desolated by war his wigwam destroyed his cornfield trodden down his family taken from him his friends taken captive in the war he felt that the war was wrong that his young warriors had been too hasty in starting it without making proper preparations for it he looked into the future it seemed very dark to him the war indeed was nearly over the wampanoags were talking about surrendering philip knew that surrender meant death for him he refused to even think of it when one of his warriors suggested it to him he killed him on the spot the english soon learned that philip had returned to his old home they surrounded him on the twelfth day of august sixteen seventy six he was shot in an ambuscade by the brother of the indian he had killed for suggesting that he surrender and now see how barbarous the english settlers could be they cut off his hands and quartered his body leaving it to decay on four trees they carried his head to plymouth and placed it on the end of a pole then they appointed a public day of thanksgiving philip's wife and children were taken to the bermudas and sold as slaves in common with the other indians captured in the war thus the wampanoag tribe of indians came to an end philip was unjustly blamed by the plymouth people for starting the war they thought that he was in league with several other tribes in new england and new york and that he intended to drive out the english if he could that was why they fought so desperately and at the end of the war removed the remnants of the tribe from new england it is true that the indians would have been obliged to move in time philip undoubtedly saw that but he believed that peace was best and he urged it on his followers the english did not know this and the result was that philip was held responsible for a war which he had opposed from the outset end of section six